You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode 106. You know, sometimes there's some crime in there and things get rowdy on the weekends. And we're really trying to have a good community for good people here in Loris. I was like, you understand that, right? And she's like, oh, absolutely not. She's like, you're going to kick people out of their homes. And I was like, oh my gosh. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome to another episode here on Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. This is Cody Hoffheim. I'll be your host today. And today we have a rock star rhino that's going to share his story for all you new wholesalers and those that are wanting to be a wholesaler. Listen to this story. He's going to talk that it's not easy. It's not just all roses, but he's going to tell a story of how he saw a potential deal and how it turned into a gold mine. Today, we have Mr. Matt McCurry from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He has been in the tribe since January of 2017. So he's in his first year. He's already done five deals that have brought him in an additional $67,000 this year. Now, why do I say additional? Because he works a nine to five job. He works full time in a, in a family business, growing that business and doing this part time. So for those that are out there thinking, how do I do this part time? This is the podcast to listen to. He is married, has no kids at the moment. Maybe I can get him laughing here in a minute of why he needs to have kids. They're awesome. <laughs> but we'll talk. This is going to be another debate, Matt. All right. And he is going to talk about a, uh, a deal where he brought in a lot of money. So stay with us throughout this whole episode. This is going to be one I can tell you right now that you're going to want to download, listen to over and over again, because it will inspire each one of you to take massive imperfect action so that you can go out there and do your first deal. Matt, my man, get on the line. Let's hear a little bit about you. Fill in the gaps of some of the things maybe that I've left out. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm on the podcast. I'm going to be famous. This is awesome. I listen to this podcast every week. So I am super stoked to be here. <laughs> well, guess what? You are going to be the next inspiration to a lot of people that are out there looking for a way to get into wholesaling and they need your story. There's a lot of people you're going to connect with that your story is going to really uh, hit at home. So this is going to be an awesome, awesome opportunity for you to inspire a lot of people. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I hey, I'll do the best I can. You're going to do just great. I, I've loved every time that we've uh, talked on the phone. It's been an awesome, uplifting, inspiring conversation. So I'm excited for you to share your story. And man, I know we're not going to, I can't share too much and nor can you at this second, but this deal, <laughs> we're going to deep dive. Holy smokes. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a, uh, this was a deal that, you know, if I didn't have the tribe and talking with you guys on the coaching calls, you know, who knows where it would have went because <laughs> it took a lot of tenacity, like to get, you know, a lot of like a lot of rhino ness to get through it. I love it. I love it. So kind of tell us what, what got you into wholesaling in the first place. What was it that was uh, that kind of connected with you and why you took the leap to get into this? So for as soon as I got out of college, 
like I I remember I went to like I, I wanted to do the smart thing. So I went and opened up. I think I was like I was like 24, and I went and opened up this like I think it was an IRA, and I started like putting money into it every month, some mutual fund thing. Well, at the end of that year, it didn't make any money, and I was so upset. And I was just like driving down the road one day, and I was like, dude, th- this was never going to work. So I was working at family business, was doing okay there. I was just getting my feet wet into it, but I really wanted to make a lot more money. Like I had, I had huge goals. And so I started just, I don't even know, I had, I bought a, like an audible.com subscription and I started to listen to a lot of books uh, about investing, which eventually led me to real estate. And I was like, oh, I can buy real estate and have like people rent houses from me. And then I can make a lot of money by them renting the houses. I don't have to work as hard. So that's kind of where it led. And I started off and, you know, it's like 24, when I was like 25 and 26, I started, uh, I bought some rental property and I had some rental property and those were doing great. But then I realized too, like that wasn't even what I wanted. I wanted a business. I wanted a real estate business. So I'd always thought, you know, the whole concept of wholesaling was a bunch of shit. like, a, just, I, I literally thought it was complete crap. That's my problem. I would roll my eyes every time somebody talked about wholesaling because you'd walk into the RIA meeting and like that kid would come in. He's like, oh, I just want to flip houses and wholesale and rent. And it's like, so you have like no ideas. People just threw out wholesaling and it was just ridiculous. But then I heard, <laughs> I heard Tom Kroll one day and I was like, well, listen to this cat. And he was like talking about all these deals and deals. I remember one day he talked about like his, average profit per month. And I can't remember what the number was, but it blew me away. And I started thinking about it and doing some more research. And I was like, oh, the real key to having a real estate business is building a real estate pipeline. And it's like, how do you build a pipeline? It's like, well, you can't rely on brokers and agents to do it for you. You know, they've got too many other people to worry about. Sure. So I started listening to you guys and I realized that you guys had it down to a science. It was like, you know, direct mail and all these marketing channels were bringing in leads, you were taking the leads and you were doing something, converting those leads to deals. And it, like, I just all clicked in my head late last year. I was like, if I want a real estate business, this is what I'm going to have to do. And work, the work part has never scared me. It was like, I just, I, I got, like, I just kept clawing and clawing to understand what I needed to do. And the way you guys talked about wholesaling in this program was what really uh, led me to take the plunge with you guys. I and not look back to all year. I've been, it's, it's been such a blessing. So thankful. Um, so that, that's kind of how I got into it. I love it, man. This is great. So Matt, every time you've been on the phone call with me, I just love that. It's always like these action-based questions. Like you hop on and you hop right off. It's like you hop on and Cody, what about this, 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 this? And, and, and we talk about it, we deep dive it. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, see ya. Boom. And all of a sudn you're back on. And then the following week, Hey, so as of last week, I did this, 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 and, and this happened. And, and I, what about this, 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 boom. Okay. See ya. Bye. And you'd hang up and you'd go right back to town. And I can tell you the success you're having is directly related to how much action you're putting into it. And I think it's fair to say to just give all of our listeners a fair, like, holy smokes, like, this is not easy. You have made plenty of mistakes. You've played, made, you've, you've failed your way forward. But I love that that does not scare you one bit. You go out there, you make a mistake, you learn from it. I think the only education we talk about in the, in the whole entire Wholesaling Inc. Uh, program is the only education that we give is let your mistakes be your education. Because other than that, it's just simple instruction to get out there and take massive action. Yep. I mean, you're absolutely correct. And, and 
failing forward is the way is the way to do it. I, I suffer a lot from I guess the like analysis paralysis thing when I first got started. But with this, I mean you can't you you can't get so hung up on the details until you're at the last stage and like actually, you know, doing the deal. And that's what I like. It's kind of fed to you where, you know, you could get out there and you take action. And and that that really sits well with me. It, it really does. I love it. Well, let's deep dive. Let's get our listeners inspired of why they should get into wholesaling and why they should be taking massive action like you have to get their first deal. So let's let's kind of give me a, a, a maybe just like a surrounding of this deal. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about where it came from. What kind of marketing did you do to get this lead? Like, let's go down to the nuts and bolts and nitty gritty. Sure, sure. So this actually came from a phenomenal list that I had pulled from the county, the tax delinquent list. And tax delinquent. We always love that list. Love it. Love it. I thought it was, uh, I thought that when you guys talked about that, I was like, oh, we can't do that because South Carolina is a tax lien state. When a property goes delinquent, so they, if they don't pay their taxes, they have till that December of whatever year that may be to pay their taxes or the county puts a lien on their property. Uh-huh. And what happens after that is they have another year to redeem to redeem themselves on their ta- to redeem their taxes and where they can buy that lien back plus interest. And so for that second year, you know, so it basically takes two years for them to lose their property. So that second year in the first quarter it goes like three percent interest, second quarter year is six percent, then nine percent, then twelve percent at the end. Uh-huh. I used to buy some tax liens when I was reading books and doing all that crap, so I know it inside out. <laughs> you could get the this list was actually the tax delinquent list, of South Carolina, from the people that had already their properties had or the liens for their properties had been bought at the sale, and so they were going through that one year period. And if they did not do something or redeem their liens, then their property would be for they could be the investor that bought that lien could foreclose on them. Uh huh. Basically. So that was the list I got. And it was very, very, very hard to get. When you guys say like, I think I think when you guys were coaching us, you're talking like five or seven people. I had to ask like 19 people. And I can't, <laughs> I could I not tell you how many of those people looked at me that like I had moron written on my forehead. <laughs> Here in the headlights. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. And then you just keep asking. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. No, you just keep asking. You keep asking. And eventually like this lady was like, okay, you need to talk to this guy. Then I went and talked to that guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, we have that. It's like, oh, sweet. Yeah. So Why I got couldn't li- we do this a month ago? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, 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 let's get real here. Jeez, could you not have given me that like a long time ago? <laughs> so I didn't even run this list. You know, I started in January and that was like one of the first ones, like, boom, tax delinquent, run tax delinquent. But I didn't even, we didn't run this list till like, like May. So and how many were on this list? Not a lot. We ran it with just land too. We left the land on there. We didn't really mess with the list too much. Uh-huh. I think there was only like seven or eight hundred people total. Okay, so not even that big of a list. So those listening, no. that's not considered a big list. So I love the sounds of this because this is going to let you know how valuable that list is. This is a very small list, and this is where we're going to talk about deep dive one of his deals of where he got it from. So that's awesome. Yeah, and that we actually did two deals on that list. Wow. So. That list is a high producer. <laughs> that is. That is. Okay, um, so tax delinquent, you get it going. And what were you what were you using for your form of marketing? And once you had this list put together, what how did you market to these individuals? I was using a pink postcard, and it was the tribe postcard that you okay. guys recommend. I said, why, hey, why, why, why uh 
was it why redo the wheel or whatever that saying is? Why reinvent the wheel? Okay. Why reinvent the wheel? There you go. Yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? So I used that, you know, stuck a number on there from, you know, just one of these like a call fire number. And, you know, that's what I use a little pink postcard. And I I love postcards. Oh, man. It was so cheap. It was like 38 or 42 cents a postcard with, Uh with, so you can't beat it really. There, like when you send this out though, is it like quickly the phone starts ringing or is it, over a week's time, two weeks' time, three weeks' time, and then I well, I guess let's back up. Probably the better question: Did you send all seven hundred of these babies out all at once, or did you break it up? Oh yeah, I dropped it. Like I was ready to rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was ready. I was ready to go. I was ready for that phone buddy to start ringing, man. I was ready to like just uh, just get into it. So <laughs> yeah. perfect seasonal business too. So you sure. know the business goes from boom to bust. So six months out of the year, we're like going absolutely crazy all through the summertime. And then sort of from like mid-October to about 1st of May, uh-huh. it's, it's pretty quiet. There's not a whole lot going on. So I really was like trying to get some serious traction going before the summer season picked up really busy. So yeah. Okay. So 700 postcards, you drop them all at once. And what did it be? What was it like for you for the phones? Did it, did it start ringing off the hook? Was it like a 1% return? What did that look like? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, we were at like five point, I think on that list, that was one of our highest calling lists. We were at like 5.75% cut. So call. about 35 so, to 35 to 40 calls off that? Yeah. And they all came in, most of them came in within the first four to five days. Okay. Because lots of people like live there at their property and they were, you know, constantly, they'll be there, there. You know, there weren't a whole lot of absentee owners. And let uh, me guess, everyone was so happy to talk to you. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many. <laughs> even the guy I did the deal with that we're going to talk about. I mean, he was like, like you're a scam artist. And and, <laughs> and he told me what he had. I was like, look, if you want to meet me, like I live here in, in, in you know, I, he lives in Loris and I live in Conway. I was like, I'll come and meet you. I was like, how about that? And, and he, he, he had like unintelligible, unintelligible speech half the time. So I, I think wow. he said... I was like, well, let's go meet then. So, uh, so even this phone call comes in and he's even bad mouthing you like, you piece of crap. You send me a postcard. You guys are scam artists. So tell me how you changed that. Like, how did you get his mind to shift to actually meet with you? Well, he, he was just like accusing me of being a, a realtor and a shark and this, that, and the other. And I literally just told him, I said, hey, brother, you know, I'm, I buy houses, you know, it's like, do you have a house? Did you have a house you're wanting to sell? And it like every time I say that, whenever like somebody's like you this and do that this and that, I was like, hey, look, man, I, I'm just a guy who runs a business. I'm trying to buy houses. Did you have a house you were thinking about selling? <laughs> and he literally just like, well, no, but I got, uh, or actually it was more like, well, ah, I, I, I got, I got a whole mobile home park. I was like, okay, I don't know anything about mobile home parks, but I'll look at it. Why not? Wow. Wow. And so instantly by just doing that transition, like call me whatever you want, but Hey, I'm just here trying to buy homes. Do you have a home for sale? He doesn't have his own personal home for sale, but you say it turns into this mobile park. Now let's start to like get into this. Like, did you meet him at the mobile home park? Or did you meet him offside at like a Starbucks or what did that look like? No, I met him right there at the mobile home park. And that's, that's where he wanted to meet. He just said, meet me there. Okay. And it was literally like I, I luckily that day I was not, I was in my office, which is in my house. So so I just hopped in my truck and I went down there to meet him. Uh-huh. And when I got there, 
most people probably think it's a disaster because this place was. I mean, this place looks like like World War Three. It just went down there. But, there were active people really renting there still right now. Like, was it a ran down? But there's still active like rent going on. Yes. So there was. So it's a 23 lot mobile home park. Okay. Uh, and 17 of them were operational. And out of the 17, about five of them look nice, and the other, the the you know the other like 11 of them or, or whatever. Uh huh. Oh, um, well, some terrible numbers. Hey, so you so get, am I. You can wholesale and not be good at numbers at all. That's this is this is a win-win for everyone listening. You don't even know simple math, and this guy's crushing it. Yeah, so there, I, don't, I can't even count. On it. But uh, but yeah, so I went there and looked at it, and yeah, it looked it looked like a war zone. I mean, it was like you know big scary dogs like chilling out in the yard barking at you. You know, people just like like kids that, that all dirty and you know no shirt on, just sitting there staring at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy, but. When I saw it, I, I remember I had listened to a few podcasts, actually on I think like Bigger Pockets, and it was talking about how to value a mobile home park. And we started talking, and some things started going off in my memory bank from when I had listened to this these other podcasts. And number one, uh, infrastructure. It was on city water and sewer. Number two, all independently metered. Uh, number three, trash pickup. And number four is this small town is not. Not a bad town. Uh, Loris is a little small town, probably 20 minutes from Myrtle Beach, uh-huh. uh, another 20 minutes from Conway, which is the next largest like town. Uh, easy access to everything you'd want, you know, major highways and whatnot. And uh, this mobile home park was literally in downtown. It was right beside the like the IGA, the post office. You could walk to all the little restaurants in town. It, it was phenomenal. And I was like, this this could probably make a really good investment. So. So yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I saw when I got there when we he and I started talking. Okay, so now he's talking. What was the motivation? I mean, was there a true motivation, or was this just like a price based? Here's the price. Can you do it? Or was there like motivation why this guy wanted to get rid of this? Oh no, this guy. This guy had some. I mean, he 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 was uh, he was really 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 out of shape. But I say that like being being respectful and nice. But he was really out of shape. He had some sort of cancer that was really affecting him. And all he wanted to do was leave this everything behind and just go get this condo at the beach and live down there off of some cash that he had because he said he he claimed he didn't have like that much longer to live or or whatever. And so I just sat there and listened to his story. He told me about it, and you know he's tired of dealing with all these people, tired of dealing with all these renters, and uh, that was his 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 big why. And he'd also didn't have the money to pay for his tax bill. And so he eventually, after our second, on our second meeting, he admitted that to me. And he's like, you know, if this, you know, I don't have the money to pay my, my delinquent taxes. So, you know, that some guy who bought my lien is going to you know, redeem me at the end of the year. And that's going to be the end of it. And that wow. was his, he was like, like, if there is ever a guy that's just run down and had enough, this, this guy, guy was it. This guy was it. Yeah. Well, the key thing is, though, for those listening to the podcast, the key things that maybe that you can listen to that maybe is not directly being said right now is he listened to his story. He just went there to develop a relationship of trust. And I want each of you to focus on this as he's as Matt is sharing the story. Listen to how much he is trying to establish a relationship of trust and truly build a friendship here, because at the end of the day, if there is going to be business that that can be put together and there's a deal where we can make it a win-win for both the seller and us, the investor, it's going to always go to the person that takes the time to listen, takes the time to establish that relationship of trust. I always say God gives you two ears and one mouth. 
use them proportionately. And Matt did a great job on just going out there and listening to this individual, listen to the what's, the why's, why is he selling this? What does he want to accomplish with the sell? He wanted to just live on a condo on the beach for the rest of his days. And then Matt can now strategize with them to put together a win-win and hopefully put this under contract. But again, it goes back to, are you going out there and listening to these individuals and establishing a good relationship of trust like Matt is? Okay, Matt, my man, keep going. Yeah, so that's so true, by the way, because that's that's what I did. I just listened to him and he had had something in his history where he, he was one of those guys that always felt like he was taken advantage of. And so I just made it clear to him. I was like, look, you know, Mr. Seller, I'm not here to take advantage of you. I'm here to make, you know, to buy real estate. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to make you the best deal I can and I'll pay as much as I can, but that's the best I can do. No hard feelings, right? And he was like, oh, of course not. Uh, and so we just, like I said, we continued on that way. Nice. So we, we we went through the whole deal, started talking about it. And like this thing checked off every single one of the boxes that I knew about for being a good quality mobile home park investment. Like we just talked about the infrastructure, independently metered, you know, trash pickup by the city, uh, grandfathered in, you know, all that stuff. So it was like, just like a, like bing, bing, bing all the way through. And I was like getting super excited. So anyways, we talked about signing contracts and we negotiated a price and he originally started off at like 300,000. And I just told him no way. I started off at like one, one, one fifty, I think, because I had no idea what I was doing. Sure. Yeah. I just, I was just trying to get it as cheap as possible. Because like I said, I don't, you, there's nearly no, you can't, like it would take, you know, I didn't have time to look at comps, you know? So I was just like, I couldn't find a comp, you know, just sure. to, I had to do some more research. So eventually we did like 180 and I was like, well, hey, you know, I pulled out the documents, like, listen, you know, I got some contracts with me. I was like, you want to just make it official? And he was like, well, he's like, I don't mind, but I, was like, I really don't want to, you know, do that unless I get to sit down in front of this guy, you know, so-and-so. And he was a, he's a big time realtor. And and like a small time money lender mm-hmm. in the rural town of Loris. So, you know, we kept talking some more. I kept trying to build the trust, but he wouldn't sign that document, but he wanted to meet the next day at this guy's office. So I went there to this guy's office. Again, have no idea what I'm doing, you know, and I just tried to go in there with like as much bravado as I could. So I went in there, sat down, you know, the seller was there, this guy was there, and I said, hey, look, man, here's the deal. I buy houses. This is my contract, Uh, you know, simple two-pager, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I was like, I'm not going to have some big, crazy realtor contract. You know, this is probably something you see every day, right, Mr. Mr. You know, big wig realtor guy. And the guy literally just looked at it and said, well, it looks good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Assume the sell, baby. I was like, sweet. So, (laughs) So, uh. You know, then I had a contract and uh, I immediately started started marketing it. And, and what I found from my comps was, which which if we had held out a little bit longer, you know, probably could have done way better on it. And if we knew how to market it a little bit better. But, sure. you know, I showed it to all my cash buyers, you know, I called them up on the phone, showed them the deal. And then I took it and and they, they still didn't really know me too well just yet, sure. you know. So I don't think they paid me a whole bunch of attention, which is crazy because, you know, actually I had one of my biggest cash buyers who's bought two deals for me so far, came back later. I was like, hey, do you still have that mobile home bar? I'm like, no, man. He's like, hey, come on, man. Can you break it off with these cash buyers and sell it to me instead? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, but anyways, you know, long story short, you know, I put it out to the cash buyers and I had it on Craigslist and, oh yeah, I put it out of my cash buyers and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this thing on, on Facebook and Craigslist. So I slapped that thing on Craigslist. And then when I did that, my phone literally ran off. Melted. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh, it was like it was nuts. I don't know if like 
the biggest mobile home park owners in the country are just like scouring Craigslist for mobile home parks or what. But well, it, now it was the intent behind this is to just resell it as is to a, uh, a guy that wants a mobile home park, or was the was the value to have the land be something else in the future to build commercial on? Or I mean, what was the thought when you're going into this? Just keep it as is as a as a as a mobile home park. Yes, because when you so so yes, that the keep it as a mobile home park would be the best thing for it because, like I said, it checked off all the boxes. And from terms of cash flow, this thing would be if you put debt on it, appropriate debt from a from a, a bank, uh, even in terms of like commercial loan, it'd be spitting off like a, a above a twenty percent cash on cash return every year as wow. is. That's assuming you didn't do anything to it. It was as it was at the moment a twelve percent cap rate on the in place numbers. Um, and that that was like that to me. I was like, "Holy smokes! Somebody is going to want will this. pay for this income stream. Somebody sure. because this is phenomenal." And now I'm really stoked about mobile home parks. I'm taking on the wholesaling money <laughs> home park because it was just nuts. Yeah. So, now, how many uh, cash buyers end up wanting int- or had interest in this mobile home park? None. None of them. It was unbelievable. They're all like, "Ah, you know, ah, they didn't even really look at it. Like, look at whatever I put together." Uh, which is kind of sad. Uh, so, you know, but hey, whatever. We rhinoed through it. I put it out there as far as I could, you know, Craigslist, Facebook, all that stuff. I called all my realtor buddies that I knew and told them about it. And that's when the, it started, the phone started ringing off the hook. Ended up meeting these these two guys. Or no, what happened was these, these, these two investors flew down from New York and they actually went to the city to talk with this the city planner and the city planner basically said no you can't put any more mobile homes back on there so that of course severely limited the value of the mobile home park if you can't put more mobile homes back on there you know you're stuck with what's there and if something happened to those mobile homes like burned down or something there's nothing you could do it would be it would be over you can't that lot would sit there and not produce revenue anymore so that scared off i think you know once that kind of word got out about that that kind of scared a lot of people off but I didn't know what to do. I think I called you guys and I was like, man, what should I do? Should I go out here and should I, should I you know, try to figure this out? And so what I ended up having to do to fix that problem, by the way, the deal was like, if I didn't have the rhino tribe, I would have thought the deal would be just sitting like dead in the water. I thought, <laughs> well, that's, that sucks. That deal's over. But, uh, you know, I charged forth and uh, I like that saying charge. I charged forth. And, I, that sounded good. Keep going. Yeah, it, it, yeah I charged forth. Wow. Uh, but I charged forth and I went and met with a city planner and then I started calling some city council members because their numbers are just available. Uh-huh. So I started calling telling them what I wanted to do with the park. I'm like, look, you know, here's the deal. You have Mr. Seller. Mr. Seller doesn't care about the park anymore. You have Mr. Seller's son who doesn't care about it either. And they're both going to run this thing into the ground. It can only be a mobile home park. It's not that big. Loris is not like you're going to get some big apartments for redevelopment because they tried to like pitch the idea. What about if you build houses out there? Yeah. I'm like, look, it's only four acres. Like you're not going to get that many homes on there. Sure. Uh, it's not be an economically viable project. Not that I knew one way or the other. I was just trying to argue my case as best I could. Sure. Anyway, so I just told him, you know, look, let us make this a nice mobile home park. We'll bring in new tenants and it will it'll benefit the city. It'll benefit us. You know, we'll make a buck or two. You know, we'll pay our our city taxes. Uh, it'll it'll have more citizens walking around the city because members in the middle of downtown Loris. So not a bad deal. And some of them started to bite on that. And they're like, well, hey, you have to. Why don't you come and talk to us, you know, before the city council meeting? And I was like, 
cool. Okay, I'll do that. And and I started, you know, started talking to a little bit of them. And they're like, look, just come make the presentation to the rest of the board at city or to the rest of the city council at the, the monthly city council meeting. And we'll go from there. And so I was waiting. I think this was this was like we're getting to the end of or we're getting like mid-June. Okay. So the next one I had it was like the July whatever city council meeting. So of course, July 4th was there. That kind of mixed it up too. But in the meantime, I had these guys from Craigslist that had called me and they they, you know, were two guys that uh lived here locally and were looking for an investment property and they had some money. So they called me and like, look, you know, we'll sign whatever you want us to sign to do this. And I was like, you know, I want you a thousand dollar non-refundable deposit. And uh, you know, I need you to sign this assignment agreement. I was like, and we'll work through it. And they're like, okay, cool. So they got them to sign and they've been, they were the, some of the best, they were the best buyers I've ever had. Like they were through with me right there till the end of getting this thing done. So it was pretty cool. Uh, and we actually developed a good relationship after that as well. Awesome. Yes. But um, so anyways, I had this like whole speech prepared out and I thought, according, you know, I thought I was just going to be meeting with the city council. So I thought I was just going to be addressing, I think like 12 or 14 people, something like that. Well, I got up there and it's actually half of the town of Loris is there. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I am the worst public speaker. I say stupid stuff all the time. Amen. <laughs> so I was like, crap. So I got in there and I said something in there that was, gonna, that was like haunted me for the rest of the deal. Not haunted me. It was kind of a joke. But I got up in there and I, I basically broke down what we wanted to do the park like a four-step plan. And I think the first step was like, you know, cleaning up the trees and whatnot. Step two was get the infrastructure looking better, which is, you know, doing a few things here and there. I think step three was getting the riffraff out. And I I thought riffraff in my head because I had heard some of the council members when we had spoke on the phone talking about how crime was bad in that neighborhood and the fire truck couldn't get down the roads and that kind of thing. So I said riffraff. I said, you know, step three, guys, we're going to get the riffraff out. And there are these whole bunch of ladies in the back of the city council meeting that their eyes got like big as dinner plates. Oh, don't tell me they live there. Oh, man, they're like, hold on. What do you mean get the riffraff out? And I'm like, hey, you know, I've I've heard from the city that, you know, sometimes there's some crime in there and things get rowdy on the weekends. And we're really trying to have a good community for good people here in Loris. I was like, you understand that, right? And she's like, oh, absolutely not. She's like, you're gonna kick people out of their homes. And I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Oh. Yeah, it was like a disaster. I could see it just like like the Titanic just slowly sinking. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> But the guy who was in charge of like public safety took over and was like, look, here's the deal. What he's talking about doing, making a place nice and spending all this money to make it nice, they're doing that for everybody's good. It's good for them because they can charge more, make more money. It's good for the tenants because uh, it'll give them a better, more safe park to live in. It's good for the city. He's like, it's good for everybody. That's a normal course of business for doing what these guys are talking about doing. He's like, number two, I had enough of sending my officers out there to deal with all the complaints, all, all the crap that goes on there on a daily basis. He's like, I've had enough of it. He's like, what they're talking about is completely normal. There should be nothing wrong with it. And that kind of like shut down the argument right there. I love it. Like, so I was super thankful for that. So of course, with a new ordinance, then it came on this guy. We, we actually had to go rewrite the ordinance, rewrite it again, get it passed at two separate council meetings. And so, but it was a downhill slope from there. So that was pretty good. And uh, it was awesome to be able to get that closed. So here we are. Let's go before we even share like the money you make, you go through this whole process, by the way, I'm sitting here listening. 
this can't be a short thing. How long from start to finish? Again, don't share what you made, but from start to finish, what are we talking? How many days, months were involved in this? Oh, uh, we started somewhere in in the beginning of June, um, and we went to pretty much almost almost the end of September. Holy That's how smoke. So, so what, June, July, August, September. So four months, yep. you're going through this. But here's what I want now. You ready? Because I'm already holding something in my hand, getting ready for this one. We <laughs> have four months of rhinoing through this. And I want our listeners to know that sometimes these deals can take a little bit of time, but it's worth it because tell them what you made at this at the end of this four months from this deal. So we walked away from the closing table with $42,500. Oh, hold on. <laughs> this one's going to go for a little bit. This one's going to go for some time because this was... Three months months and 42,000. So here we have a three-month closing process or a four-month closing process, which is kudos to you because there's so many people that would have given up. They would have said, ah, that's too much for me. But you (laughs) rhino through this. You got on our weekly calls and kept asking for direction, but you would get off and just take it, by the way. This is what I love. And it ends up paying you $42,500. Hundred dollars. That is a heck of a payday for time involved with this mobile home park. And go, not many people would dare to go to the city council and talk and do all this stuff, but you did. And so, listeners, I'm telling you, sometimes you're going to get, un- in fact, not sometimes, if you are not uncomfortable every single day as a wholesaler, Remember, there's no true growth going on. There, the business isn't going the direction it needs to be going. You've got to get uncomfortable. And you've got to stay uncomfortable. And Matt is a perfect example of finding uncomfort and staying in that zone as long as possible because it ends up having huge paydays of a $42,500 assignment, which is absolutely amazing. Matt, my man, congratulations. I can't believe I finally got the victory bell rung. <laughs> I've been waiting on that daggum victory bell to ring in my honor <laughs> since I started the drive. So oh, awesome. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Well, my friend, let's do this in wrapping up to always help. And we do this on every one of our podcasts to get them to understand a little bit about you. If you were to start all over again, and it is January, 2017, all over again, what is something that you would do different or what is something that you would make sure that you did the same because it worked well for you? What's, well, I mean, start all over on this journey or like the real estate yep, journey? In, in wholesaling, in wholesaling. Yeah. Like, like, what's one thing, if you look back now with 2020 vision, what's something you would have done different? I, if you want me to be perfectly honest, I would have taken my, the, the ego that I brought into this business, I would have taken it out and I would have just focused on being a rhino and going through the work. Uh, I thought that I knew better than you guys. Honestly. And I was like, I don't need anybody to tell me about this and that. So I skipped over all the good stuff and like, and, and, and just was trying to do it all wrong. I would have just taken it step by step, got my, got my ego out of my way and, and just went for it. That's what I would have done. That's the I only thing I've done different. So the key thing that you said I love is sometimes we ourselves are what stands in, in, in the way of success. And that, that sums it up perfect is 
you stood in your way of true success. And once you got out of your way, success started just hitting and just pounding at your door. And here you are with now $67,000 more in your pocket this year with how many more deals are in the pipeline? Did you say? I've got, I've got three right now. So, three so more. one was actually my very first deal, which I literally got that like three weeks start. I told you I started in January, like three weeks into January, I got this deal. Wow. And I, like, oh my gosh, I'm be one of these fast people, but it was a pro. <laughs> so it's finally set to close on the 16th. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's awesome. That's I awesome know. stuff. So stuff from uh, January is even closing. Now you got pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. So Good I mean, that's, that was, and it was, it's been a long journey, man. I had a big, I had a big deal. That was going to be my first deal. That was like a month after that in February, that was a $22,000 deal. And I learned so much from that. deal. I lost that deal. Oh. Like water. And I was, I was like devastated. I was like, this sucks. It made you stronger though, Matt. That's my it man. Did. It so, did. I mean, it, it was, uh, it's been a phenomenal journey and I, I thought I was going to get the end of 2017 and write this year off. I'm like, you know what? 2018 is going to be fresh, but I'm getting to the end of 2017 and we're still chugging. We got 12 weeks left to, 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 you know, meet, meet our goals, but I love it. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, man, 2017 is probably my best year I've ever had in my life. So that is awesome. Now you better oh, be a reader. And if you are a reader, what is a book, the number one book you could say at this moment that would help our listeners become better at who they are? I'm gonna say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I would tell you I would take a cheap way out and say the number one book is the Bible and if you want to be better read the book of Proverbs by King Solomon that's my favorite uh, even though I don't apply all that wisdom on a daily basis but I, you know books communicate an idea and I'm a big book reader I have been for the past few years so I, whatever book I'm reading at the moment that communicates like a new idea to me is my favorite book right then so I, I love all the books that everybody always talks about of course Rhino's success or was it. Right um, what I'm reading right now, which I love, and it's a brand new book. I think everybody should listen to it in the tribe and real estate and wherever. Uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, I love that book. I'm reading it right now. So I'm super stoked about that. Well, perfect. Well, Matt, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. I know it's been a long time in coming and I, I love your excitement of sharing your story. So I want to thank you for sharing your message today. I know this is going to help a lot of people that are listening to the podcast today. Thanks, man. Dude, I'm just so excited to be on the podcast. So <laughs> I hope I don't sound too stupid. No, it sounded great. So thank you for joining us. Get back out there. Go do some hard work. Go make this rest of the year uh, a, a huge success. And I know you can hit your goals, brother. Thanks, Cody. You the man. Okay. Now, as for our listeners, remember, remember, there's so many gold nuggets that you can listen to on this podcast and every podcast. We truly do break down these deals step by step so that you have a huge, huge advantage over those that aren't listening, for those that aren't getting into wholesaling. This is really a spot where you can break down some gold nuggets, implement them today. It is going to take some imperfect action, progress, not perfection. But if you will do these things and just try them out. You're going to be one step closer to your first deal. And Matt has given plenty of gold nuggets to help you along the way so that you can get into wholesaling, so that you can make this a fun journey, a fun business in your life where you can get into real estate. And ultimately, this leads to so many other doors where you can get into passive income, where you're buying rentals and things like that. But it always starts with finding that deeply discounted property. And that's what wholesaling is all about is how to find those off-market, deeply discounted properties that you can turn for huge profits. If you need help building your personal business for wholesaling, 
go over to wholesalinginc.com and click on a strategy call. Book a time with our team. And if we have uh, open spots, we'd love to get you in. And if we love what you say, we just might invite you to be part of the tribe so that you can go out there and wholesale your first deal. Until next time, take care and we'll see you on the next podcast. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.